Welcome back to the Technician Academy podcast, where we bring the automotive industry thought leaders of today and of tomorrow to the mic to share their industry expertise with you. This week, we've invited shop owner Ron Hagen to join our discussion. Ron runs Westside Auto Pros, the 14-bay facility in Des Moines, Iowa, that's received a lot of recognition over the years for being one of the nation's top repair facilities. Ron is a very passionate individual. He's passionate about the automotive industry and how shop owners can be successful. In this podcast, he talks about the value of having exceptional employees and how important it is to take excellent care of your customers. We really hope that you enjoy this episode. Let us know if there's anyone that you would like to hear from in the future. Your feedback and your suggestions are important to us. So feel free to shoot us a message or give us a call. Also, be sure to subscribe to our channels and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in. Here's your host. Welcome to today's Technician Academy podcast. We're blessed to have Ron Hagen from Westside Auto Pros with us today. He is Westside Auto Pros is a shop in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, Ron is coming to us. Uh, Ron, thank you for being a part of the podcast. I, I'm, I'm glad to be part of it. I, I enjoy this kind of thing. Well, I, I'm excited for our listeners to hear your story and, and some of the intricacies of, of what you see that a, a shop owner needs to, to look at and think about whenever they are getting to the point of, of established shop and, and where do they go from there once the st- shop is established? So, you know, that's going to be kind of the following. I mean, Westside Auto Pros, I've, I've done some due diligence. There's some, I mean, you got a great website. The reviews are through the roof. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, um, it's 21 years old. And, um, I, I got started as a shop owner. Um, actually I, I had gone to school and, uh, was an auto technician and I worked for a small, um, mom and pop business that, uh, it was a five bay auto repair shop. They, they rented rider trucks. They, they had gasoline sales, just, just, you know, a typical, you know, mom and pop operation. And, uh, one day a convenience store chain, uh, stopped by and um, offered to buy their real estate to put up a, a big convenience store. And the owner said that uh, his land was not for sale, and they showed him how much they could pay for it. And um, five weeks later, he sold it. And so at that point, I could go get a job with another shop as a technician or uh, go into business for myself. And today I say the best time to go into business is when you don't know anything about business because you're not scared. And, and so, uh, I opened my own shop with the idea that if this doesn't work, I can always get a job with someone else and it's worked. But I I think a lot of the success to it is, um, each day when I get up, I I have the same philosophy and always have, uh, I want to take the absolute best care of every customer that walks through the door. And I want to take the absolute best care of every employee that works for me. And I firmly believe that if you take care of your customers and you take care of your employees, somewhere in the middle, it's going to happen for you. Yeah. And and I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, taking care of your employees and, and, and they'll take care of your customers. So, yeah, I mean, all that working together is extremely important. So at, at Westside, how many, how many techs do you have? 
Um, we, we currently have six uh, automotive technicians, and um, that puts us fully staffed. Uh, we, we have 14 bays, and we've been at our current location for 13 years now. Wow. So uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, I mean, are, you're in the metro area. Uh, so Correct. are you, I mean, your clientele, what age group are you mainly servicing right now? Um, our, our current uh, demographic of our customer uh, is the 38 to 54 year old. Okay. And that is, you know, like, like most repair shops. I mean, that is, it's skewed female. The females make the, the buying decisions in the households. Yeah, absolutely. And, we, and we've talked about that in, in, in past podcasts of how, how the, the female of the, of the family actually makes about 60% of the buying choices when it comes to auto repair. So absolutely. How have you, how do you, how does your team address that? Well, um, I mean, for starters, we, we, we have females on our team. Uh, so, so people, uh, you know, feel comfortable, uh, when they come in and when they, um, you know, work with us, work through the auto repair process. Um, we, we also make, make it convenient, um, for, for moms and, and housewives and stuff to, to do business with us. You know, I mean, the, the fact is um, a lot of the daily chores or daily activities through life oftentimes get dumped on mom. I mean, you know, she oftentimes has to drop the kids off to school, pick the kids up from school, get the groceries, take them to soccer, take them to dance, et cetera, et cetera. And so they have a very, very busy life they have a very busy day and you know at the end of the day who's got time to get the car serviced so so we have to come up with ways to make it convenient to them you know whether it be you know free loaner cars uh, free pickup and delivery shuttle service um you know all, all the different aspects so they don't have to take time out of their day or be interrupted for auto repair online scheduling um you know digital inspections all of that kind of stuff comes into play and they've been very receptive to it. So it's allowed us to, to grow our audience over the years. Uh, yeah. I mean, and then that's a very good point. I mean, I hope our listeners hear that, that the, the fact of, of taking your business and, and making sure that you're addressing the needs of your customer. It's extremely important. Now, Westside Auto doesn't just repair vehicles, do we? No, no, we, um, we, we offer uh, roadside assistance. Uh, services, uh, light services. We've done that for almost 12 years uh, through AAA. And then we also got into the towing business about three and a half years ago uh, through AAA. So we've got some other um, challenges, (laughs) I guess, for lack of better words. Um, But but they were great decisions and um, and were, you know, I approached – I approach those with the exact same passion that I approached uh, building an auto repair business with. And it's, it's made us successful in that arena as well. Well, yeah. I mean, and with the addition of the towing and, and roadside assistance, you've got quite a staff there. Yeah. Um, currently uh, our staff uh, sits at about 38 people. See, I, I, I want our listeners to hear that because a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the shops I talk to, you know, they, they, 12, 14 people, but you're actually employing 38 people 
this isn't just a little repair shop and this is not a mom and pop shop anymore. This is, this is a shop that really has some value and provides value to the local economy and, and to your customers. And I'll clarify too, with those 38 people, um, they're all full-time people. I don't look for, we don't seek somebody that's looking for a job. We want somebody that's looking for a career that's looking for a place to land and, and to be for a while. Yeah. And, and I noticed, uh, I mean, um, on your website, I mean, you're, you're asking and you've got a spot on the website, a page on the website about joining the team. So are, absolutely, are you, uh, you're working, I mean, you're looking for talent. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not looking for people who want to work. We're looking for people who are career driven, career oriented. Yeah. I mean, and and I do speaking of your website, I mean, uh, I compliment you on that. It is, it is very user friendly. It's very inviting. Uh, I looked at it as a customer and then as a technician and, and, you know, it is very inviting to your customers. Uh, you know, and one thing I I do want to point out 14 years as triple a, uh, I mean, uh, being a, a, a top shop, that doesn't just happen. Uh, I commend you on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a, um, we're pretty proud of that award. Um, you know, the other two awards that we have are our local awards. Um, there's, there's a publication called the business record that does a best of award. And then there's also a local publication called uh, City View uh, that that does a, an annual best of award, and and we've run, we've been, you know, named uh, by their readers, uh, best place for auto repairs in the Des Moines area, uh, for well over ten years in a row um, in both of those publications. And, and the unique thing about those publications, anybody can vote for any any place. So, you know, there's, there's different, you know, the Chamber of Commerce has a, an award and there's a lot of different best of awards, but you have to be a member of that group or you have to pay to be part of this. And, and these two awards are, they're just totally open. I mean, anyone can, can go to the, when, when the voting's open, anyone can go and vote for any shop they want. And, and we consistently come out, uh, name the best, which really, that really makes me feel good. And it really makes me proud, uh, for everybody on my team because they're the ones that are earning it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's very, very humbling for you to say that. I, I mean, uh, you know, you, you're giving that credit to your employees and, and, and you had a big part of that. I mean, you took a two bay facility and now it's a 14 bay facility. I don't know did you change locations in the middle of that or did you add on? We, we did. Yeah, we, we, we did. Uh, initially we started out in, um, uh, it, it was two bays in, in some flex space in, in a warehouse area. And that was in 1997. And in 2005, um, I actually purchased uh, a building. It was only three doors down from where our shop was. And we, we remodeled it and initially we put 10 bays in, um, at the time we didn't need 10 bays, but we put them in cause we could. And then over the years, um, we've, we've continued to, 
modify and and um, remodel more of the building and just continue to add bays. And we've added four more now. All right now, uh, so I mean, you you talk about you as a technician for for a repair shop there, and, and the owner of that repair shop sold, and you decided to become uh, a shop owner. What actually got you started in the automotive industry? Why did you choose to make that a career? <laughs> um, I've always had a a mechanical, you know, type brain. I mean, I, I grew up on a, on a small farm, and you know, so you're around machineries and and, and moving parts and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, I got my first car uh, when I was 15 years old. And, um, you know, like, like many first cars, um, I'm not even sure we could classify it as a car, but it, it needed <laughs> a lot of work. And then of course, when you get your license and start driving it, um, uh, inexpensive cars break down a lot. And, um, you know, my parents were, were middle-class at best. And so, you know, if I, if I wanted to buy a car or my car needed to be fixed or anything like that, I mean, I had to figure it out. I mean, there, there was no help coming from them. If I needed gas, I had to figure it out. And so uh, I had a friend who, whose father was a, a technician, a mechanic, and um, he was in the same boat I was. Uh, but, you know, he, his dad would let him use his tools and show him how to do stuff on cars and, and give him pointers. And, and so I, uh, I latched on to that experience to, as to how to fix my own stuff. And I would say probably by the time I was, 17 years old, I was um, fixing my friend's cars as well. Now, in hindsight, um, I wasn't fixing them properly, but <laughs> we were able to we were able to get them back together and make them run. And at the time, we didn't we, you know we didn't know any different. We we thought we were fixing them properly, but I look back at some of the things I did, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I think so, we can all relate to that. Yes. <laughs> so I mean, as 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 life went on, I mean, it was just, it was just kind of a natural career choice for me. Well, yeah. And it sounds like it was a good career choice. Uh, there's one thing, I mean, and we, we talked about, you got 38 employees, uh, you know, technicians, um, talking about awards. I mean, you were just honored with being one of the top 20 shop owners at the wrench and ratchet conference. How, how did that come about? I don't know how that came about. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty laid back and humble. I mean, I mean it, it. Um, um, I mean, it put a smile on my face, and I, I certainly appreciate you know the acknowledgement and stuff like that. But um, I don't know what all went into their algorithm to to determine that. But it was um, uh, I mean, it was it was a feel good moment. But you know, again, this isn't you know, I've got, I've got 38 people that are earning, earning that award. You know, it, it isn't Ron Haugen. I'm just the the cheerleader and the coach. So, uh, they, they did it, not me. Well, I, and, and I, I see that, uh, in the short discussion we've had and the email conversations, I, I truly believe, uh, that you do uh, believe that it is all 38 of, you know, the employees and, and yourself. I, I, I Maybe wanna... not all 38, definitely 37. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. No, I, uh, no, I, but there's one thing I want to point out and, and that stuck out to me 
when I just pulled up your website and, and the front page, the first page, and, and I hope you don't mind me qu- quoting this from it, um, but there's a picture of you and, and, and your front office staff. And, and below that, it says, finding a reputable auto repair shop in the Des Moines metro area can be a pain. Luckily, you've come to the right place. Westside Auto Pros has been trusted repair shop in Des Moines since 1997. Now, here's the part I want to highlight, and then I would mark and I would highlight it and, and underline it. We only hire certified master technicians with high integrity and honesty who treat your car as if it were their own. That is the Westside Auto Pros advantage. Now, I've got to ask about that. First off, I love the part about the high integrity and honesty. I think that is something that is very important. I think it's very important for the customer to see and and believe. I mean, your 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 website puts everything out front, uh, so I commend you on that. But we talk about hiring master technicians. Is that hard to do? Oh, yeah, that's hard to do, and that's. Um that's our minimum requirement. I mean, if we, if we hire somebody, uh, I mean, there's been times that we've interviewed and hired somebody that, um, you know, was not an AFE master technician, but you know, they're told up front that, um, I mean, that's the goal. They need to be there in six to eight months. And, and oftentimes there's, there's in those cases, it's somebody that maybe had certification and let it lapse. Um, or, or, you know, or, or just hasn't taken the all final test or something like that. But there's a whole lot less problems in repairing today's automobiles. If you've got highly trained technicians and, and I mean, I, I, I don't want the headache of, you know, trying to fix a car with somebody that's, you know, not able or not qualified or, or, you know, not able to do do the job correctly, but oh yeah, it's it's totally a difficult um, process to find qualified anybody in the the auto repair industry. You know, from from service advisors to technicians to um, tow truck operators. I mean, we're we're in a we're in a shortage of a labor pool for all positions in our industry. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that. I mean, I'm I'm glad you included the service advisors, the tow truck drivers, because let's face it. I mean, we hear about shortage of technicians all the time, but that support staff, without the tow truck driver bringing that vehicle in, without the service advisor talking to the customer, the technician has nothing to do. Correct. So. I mean, that support staff and, and, and I, I tell I, I'm on a local volunteer fire department as a captain and, and training officer. And, and I tell young firefighters, I said, you know, all the, you think all the glory is at the end of that nozzle and, and, and putting the fire out, but you know, you're no good unless that guy at the truck is sending you water. And if that guy at the tanker is not bringing water to that engine. So, I mean, we all have a support staff that we have to work with. And, and obviously your support staff has been extremely successful. Enough of the support staff and the quality of the support staff is going to allow the technician to do a better job and, and to produce more work. And, you know, when they produce more work, then they're, 
you, you know, they're going to, they're going to earn more money. And, and if they're, if they're happy with their earnings and the work environment, the people they work with and the company they work for, you know, they're not going to go anywhere. And, and, and I hear oftentimes, uh, you know, you, you hear, you know, trainers and shop owners talking about, you know, recruiting, recruiting, always be recruiting. And I'm a firm believer in that. Always be recruiting, always, um, you know, have your eye out for, for talent, top talent. Um, but we also need to not only have a recruiting plan, you need to have a retention plan. Keep the ones that you have. And, um, you know, we, we see them bleed off to other shops or, or, or sometimes we'll see them bleed off to other industries. And, and, and that's just not a good thing that, um, we, you know, if, if we have a, a technician that decides to go work as a, as a machinist or on an assembly line or something like that, we, we just lost them from our industry forever. You know, you take a technician out, out of the industry, out of the bay, um, for somewhere between one and two years and they're, they're not going to come back. They're too far behind now. Yeah. And, and I'll add to that. I, I'm not only going to say that we've lost, we have failed whenever we, whenever it becomes more appealing for the technician to go to a manufacturing job or like you say, any, any skilled labor, let me, let me group that together in my, and this is strictly my opinion, but I, I think if it's more entertain, I mean, if they're more uh, drawn to that, I mean, obviously uh, some people's, you know, just being in the industry for a short period of time, they may be, it may not be the correct fit for them, but if they've been in the industry, let's say five to eight years and they're drawn into another industry totally, then we have failed as an industry to let that happen. We, we, we have, <laughs> that's just not your opinion. That, that is the truth. We have failed as an industry to our technicians and service advisors big time. And, and we've been talking about this and we've been talking about it for 12, 14 years, but we've done nothing about it. We just talk about the technician shortage and the technician shortage. We've done nothing to fix it or even attempt to fix it. And so now we're, we're reaching, you know, an epidemic level and, all of a sudden, you know, the, the push, and this has come on probably in the last one to two years, uh, the, the push has come on to try to fix it. What are we going to do? How are we going to fix this? What are we, what are we going to resolve it? And, you know, I'm not saying it's too little too late, but it's not something that gets fixed overnight. It's going to take years. It's going to take some time. And, and so we've still got, we still got a, a rough patch ahead of us. And the other thing that's really sad, uh, I think, is the charge, the lead to fix the technician shortage is not coming from the shop owners. It's got very, very little involvement from the shop owners. Some, yes, but the majority are not, are not leading that charge. It's, it's the suppliers. It's the, the manufacturers are leading that charge and we should be more involved in that than what we are. Man, it is, there is a whole hour and a half discussion in just what you just said. I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, I've, I've been hearing about this technician shortage and having been in the industry 
as long as I have, you know, we've been hearing about it. And, and I always say there's not a shortage of people that's able to turn a wrench. There's a shortage of true technicians that want to be in the industry. And exactly. And, and I think, and it's just frustrated me and, and still does whenever I hear shop owners say, well, what's the industry going to do about helping us find technicians? Wait a minute. As a shop owner, you are the industry. And, uh, and it's just crazy to say that. And yet you're, and and I am not going to say that your shop, because I see not that way. Uh, I see a quality shop. I see a shop that's striving to, to make sure that their technicians are certified and ready to, to fix what comes in the door. But I see a lot of shops that are content with that guy who can turn a wrench but is not a qualified technician. And then they don't understand how that person gets lured away to manufacturing industry or, you know, uh, any other skilled trade that's paying a little bit more and, and, and shop owners go to go to complaining about that. And I just, I don't get it. And, and they're doing nothing to bring that guy up. I mean, they hire him because he, he, he's, he, you know, let's say he's a C-level technician. He, he can, you know, replace a water pump or put brakes on a car or something. They're doing nothing to try to grow that guy into a B or an A. They're, 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 not, they're not providing them with educational opportunities and, and that type of stuff. And, and it's, shop owners don't realize what we're up against for the few technicians that are coming into the industry. And, and it was an eye-opener for me. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I interviewed a, a technician and he was working at a, a Volvo dealership and, and he explained to me his career path. He, he went to school at UTI and graduated. And then he was recruited because he graduated near the top of his class. He was recruited by Volvo to go to their factory school. So he left UTI and he went to Volvo factory training school, Volvo technical school. When he graduated there, he was given a list of Volvo dealerships looking for technicians in the country. And he made his choice. I'm going to go work at this dealership. Uh, Interviewed, obviously was hired, went to work at that dealership. If he worked at that Volvo dealership for two years, Volvo and the dealership, and I'm not sure what the split is, but between the two of them, they paid for his education at the Volvo school and they paid for his education at UTI. Wow. Now, how are we as an independent shop going to compete with that? (laughs) That's a great question. And, And it's, it's not just Volvo. Other manufacturers are doing that because I, I don't care if it's Nissan or Ford or who it is. They realize they've got to have people to fix the cars that they're building and selling. Mm-hmm. So, so they've, they've got way deeper pockets to, to fix the technician problem in the dealership bay. And the dealership is going to money at it to fix it because they need qualified people to fix those cars. Cause what is their primary business? They're in business to sell cars. You can't sell cars if you can't fix them. We're, we're, we're just in business to fix them. Yeah. That's all we got. 
Yeah, and obviously the dealerships can, uh, like you say, I mean, they can throw more money at it. And, and, and I see that as a dangerous, very dangerous for the independent shops. Absolutely. Now, our advantage is I still think that we can take better care of them as a person. You know, I, I mean, go back to the beginning of my story. I was interviewing this guy. He'd gone through the process. He'd worked there two years. They paid for his schooling. Interviewing at my shop. So obviously there was something he didn't like where he was at. And, and we still have that ability, you know, whether you've got two bays or 22 bays, I believe that as shop owners, we, we have the ability to probably take better care of a technician uh, than a, a dealership, a large dealership, a chain store, something like that. But we have to want to. And that's, that's the other piece of the, the problem is historically, we haven't paid people that well. We haven't provided very good benefits. I mean, I, I talk to shop owners all the time. They're like, oh, we don't have health insurance. We can't afford it. Well, you know what? Lock the door. You have to be able to afford it. Yes. If you're going to be in business, you're going to have to be able to afford it. And and I've got a, a good friend that's a shop owner, successful shop owner, young man. He's quite a bit younger than me. And and he, he says it. I mean, I have to take care of my technicians. That is number one. I have to take care of my staff and my technicians because if I don't, they're not going to take care of my customers and my customers won't take care of me. And, and, and he, his, his comment, and I want your feedback on this. His comment is about this technician shortage deal is it's going to become a supply and demand. And, and we're going to see a situation in his, his words, we're going to see a situation where the technicians, the good technicians to keep them and to attract new technicians, we're going to have to reevaluate our business model. It's already there. We're there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not something coming down the road. That, that, that's already there. I mean, you know, and, and that's what I was saying. I mean, if you can't afford health insurance, if you can't, if you can't pay a quality technician 30, 35, $40 an hour, then you need to step back and fix your business. We need to have a whole different conversation then. You need to fix your business model and get it to where it's at. Yeah. I mean, speaking of business models. Uh, we talked, you know, West side auto pros is, is a successful business as a shop owner. I mean, you, you've made the transition from a technician to a shop owner and started out with a few bays and have grown the business. Uh, I think you've got, correct me if I'm wrong, like 14 vehicles in the fleet. You know, this is a, a sizable business, a, a key piece in the Des Moines area of, of taking care of customers and repairing vehicles. So what's the plans? I mean, where does West side out? Where does Ron go next? Ron goes away. <laughs> That's where he goes next. I, I'm, you know, I was telling someone the other, the other day, I mean, I'm 53 years old. Um, I, I, 
I can't see, I, I mean, I've been very, very blessed, very blessed. I, I've made some really good decisions. I've made some really bad ones too, but um, I, I can't see myself working another 10 or 15 years. I'll go nuts. I can't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to slow down and do some other stuff. And, and any, any business should be built to sell. There's actually a book out there. I think the title of it is built to sell. Um, it's a good book, but who, who wants to be 67 years old and going to work every day in their auto repair shop? I mean, there's people out there doing it, but I, I'm sure that's not their, their, that wasn't their dream. And so you don't want to build a job. You want to build a business that you can get away from at some point in time. And if you want to get away, you either have to have a business that's marketable and saleable uh, because that's probably going to be your retirement. Or if that's not the case, you better be sucking a ton of money away into a 401k so you can just lock your doors, sell the equipment at an auction and walk away. Um, but you know, you've got to look out for yourself. You've got to take care of yourself. And, and so, you know, that's, that's the position Westside Auto Pros is in. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good sized business. I mean, um, Ratchet and Wrench seems to think it's in the top 20 in, in their, in their opinion, but it's marketable and, and it's sustainable and it can be operated by someone other than Ron. And so, I mean, I've got a succession plan in place with my, my general manager. I mean, that's where Westside Auto Pros is, is going next. It's going to, you know, it's going to be owned by Joe Jerkins, not Ron Haugen. Oh, okay. Ron, uh, let me ask this. Does a shop owner, what's, what does a shop owner, if they're, I mean, I, I know uh, several shop owners that are in their mid to late sixties and, and, and they're, they're, they're actually still out in the bay and, and some of them it's by choice. Uh, let's don't go, I mean, and they're very selective on what they do and, and cause I, I want to make that definition, that distinction. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I know of a couple, I mean, and I've had, going I've had a couple on as podcast guests. I mean, they, they want to be out there. That's what they want to do. But for those shop owners that have made the transition and, and have followed let's try to keep the listener on track with us here. Uh, they've made that transition as a technician. They've moved up to shop owner. They've become successful as a shop owner, but I know several of those individuals that dread getting up and going to that shop every day. And that's the distinction. These older gentlemen that I mentioned, they love going to the shop. They love their customers coming in. They they absolutely love it. But then there's that group. And they should be doing it then. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But there's that group in the age group that we're in, myself and, and you, that look at it like, oh, man, it's Monday morning again. I, I got to get up and I got to go and I got to. I got to see who's called in and left a message. I got to see whose keys are in the drop box. I, I really don't want to. I just, and, and, and I know these individuals and what do you have to say to those? Well, you're no longer taking the best care of your customers and the best care of your employees because that shows through. I, I mean, you know, you're, you're setting the tone, you're setting the, the pace and, 
And if you don't roll out of bed excited to head down to your shop on Monday morning, um, no one else is going to be excited to come to your shop on Monday morning either. And, and you're going to, you're going to get stuck. You're, you're, you're going to, you're, you're just, you're, I guess for lack of better words, you're, you're going to feel like you're stuck and there's, and there's no way out. And, you know, if you're starting to feel that way or you are feeling that way, it, it's, it's time to do some soul searching and some planning because you don't just wake up on Tuesday and say, okay, I'm going to sell my shop. I mean, you can, but you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, what's it worth? It's probably worth less than you think it is. Mine was worth less than I thought it was. Um, and you're not going to put, put an ad out on the internet that says, Hey, auto repair shop for sale. I'm tired of doing it and have people just come flocking to buy it. So, you know, there, you just need to have a plan and, and it's going to take three, four, five, maybe seven years, um, to, to do it and do it right. It's funny. You say that about putting an ad out and auto shop for sale. I'm just tired of doing it. You know, and, and I've, I've seen some of those ads. I, I mean, uh, oh, yeah. in different business, you know, publications and, and internet. And I've seen some of those ads. It didn't say that I was tired of doing it, but it said complete auto shop for sale. And okay. I'll, you know, if they're in an area that I might be interested in, I'll, I'll do some investigation and guess what? It might be for sale, but it ain't worth buying. I mean, just to be honest, to, to be blunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, see it all the time. I mean, we, we all know shops that have been for sale for two, three years, maybe even been listed with a broker for two or three years. No one's bought it. Why haven't they bought it? Because it's, you know, it's overpriced. Or the other problem is the person selling the shop and leaving can't have a key role. You know, if, if you're, if you're the owner and you're selling your shop, you can't be the lead technician. You can't be the brain on diagnosing cars because who's going to buy it? They're, they're, they're losing the main guy. You can't be the, the service advisor. You can't be the, you can't have a key role in there because the person buying it is immediately losing a key employee when you sell it. So, you know, you have to think that through. I mean, if you own a shop and you want to sell it, You've got to be able to say, you know what? I can go away for a couple of months and this place will run without me. That shop will sell. I promise you. You know, there's the auto repair industry is lucrative and, and there's investors. There's people that want to buy auto repair shops, but they don't want to buy a job. Um, so, you know, you might end up now, now all of a sudden, let's say you're the, the key diagnostician. Or, or you contribute to, to repair the vehicles each day and you want to sell your shop, okay, well, now you got to sell it to a technician because you got to sell it to somebody who has the talent to replace you. Well, now we just talked about it earlier. We're not paying our technicians enough money as is. They're leaving our industry to go do work manufacturing jobs, and all of a sudden we want them to buy our auto repair shop. We're, 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 we're running up against a wall with this. Yeah. I mean, it's dangerous. It's, it's, we talk about shortage of technicians, but it continues. I mean, without a, a succession plan, we're going to have a shortage of shops. 
definitely going to have a shortage of shop owners. I mean, we're, we're seeing, this started probably four or five years ago. I mean, we're seeing consolidation. I mean, I mean, you and I both know shop owners that, that are multi, multi-store owners. You know, they, they had one shop, and then they bought another shop, and then they bought another shop, and then they bought another shop. Maybe they have five or six shops. We're, we're seeing that consolidate down because we're, we're running out of people to, to own and operate these shops. We're also seeing, um, you know, look what's happening, you know, as far as growth from uh, chain type or, or organizations, you know, whether it be like a Monroe or a Midas or something like that. You know, now all of a sudden you've got a guy that owns, he's a shop owner, he's bought several shops and he's got maybe four or five, six shops and they're all doing pretty good and they're turning to profit. Well, all of a sudden a, a, a corporate chain or an investment group that maybe wants to expand into that area, we'll look at it like, well, let's buy his five shops and we'll rebrand them as, you know, whatever, whatever brand we are. But, you know, that, that's what's happening to shops. The, the buy, the onesie twosie shops aren't selling near as fast as the, the group of shops that somebody can consolidate into their operation. And, and we've, we've seen more and more of that. Uh, oh, I mean, happening, happening happens every month yeah i mean uh and 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 here's the deal with that if you'll pay attention a lot of those are corporate investors that are that are investing in that uh you know carl eichen is is a classic example uh perfect example i mean whatever you think or whatever you want to think of him that's what he's doing that's what he has done and is doing is buying those ones and twos and bringing them into a corporate multi-shop organization. Yep. And, and, and it's easy to do because they, they, he's reinvented the model. We, we talked about earlier that the model has to change. He changed it. Yeah. And it's working. Absolutely. And, and he's buying them. He's finding shops and, and no disrespect to any of the shops he's bought, but he's finding shops and shop owners that are at that point. They're at that. I mean, you said you're 53. I'm 51. They're at our point in life where they're. And I would say a lot of them are probably to the point of what do I do with this shop? So he, he's making a wise investment. I'm not going to say pennies on the dollar, but He's finding shops and, and groups of shops that are at that stage, and, they, and this is a way for them to get out. Absolutely. And, and he's building up a chain of shops that, you know, someday there's going to be a, a venture capital group um, that wants to buy it. And, and, they're, and, I mean, they're looking at paper. You know, we pay, we pay X amount of million dollars for this and it's generating this for a return. Hey, this is a good deal. Let's roll with it. And it's been doing that for, you know, a stock market. You can, you can safely say it's an eight to on a great year, nine, nine and a quarter percent return. But you know, the next year it may be four or five, but these repair shops, a, a properly operating repair shop is, is giving a little better return than that. And it's continuous. Or, or even, even a non-properly operating repair shop can be turned around and fixed. I mean, you might you might have you know a shop that's maybe only at 
six or seven percent net, but if they bring in their processes and procedures and and their knowledge and they streamline it and they and they fix what is probably a, a mediocre business model, I mean, all of a sudden, without adding customers, without adding equipment, without adding people, without adding bays, you know, they can take that that six or seven percent and they can easily turn it into a twelve to fourteen percent. Absolutely. And and with the consolidation in multiple shops, then you're looking at discounts on purchasing. And, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just it's just streamlining and 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 obviously, I mean, and I, I don't expect you to comment on this unless you choose. But you know, you you took a four base shop, now it's fourteen. Obviously, now you have streamlined a lot of processes and a lot of purchasing to where you're able to to see a better net return. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I pay, I pay less for motor oil than I probably ever have since I've been in business. But yeah. it, you know, it, it, it you know scales of economy, it's volume, it, it's the ability to negotiate. Um, I mean, people want your business, and then you you go back to Carl's business model. I mean, you know, he's not just buying and operating shops. I mean, he's, I mean, he wants to be. Bumper to bumper. I mean, he, he wants to, to supply the shops with the parts. He wants to, you know, manufacture those parts. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you know, there again, you know, that, that's just something we have to be aware of. They, they have multiple income opportunities when a car rolls in the bay um, where we have, we have two, we can sell parts and labor. Uh, one thing it just come to me. I, I want to ask you about it is, are we successfully showing our customers the value as, as a qualified shop, the value we bring to them and are we properly charging them as a whole, as an industry, what that value is? Absolutely not. Hands down. We are not. Um, I think it's better than it used to be, but the people still don't understand the complexity uh, of car repair. Um, you know, and, and I'll say it again. I I mean, it's better than it was two or three or five years ago, but you know, they, they, they just expect us to, to know what's wrong with their car, you know, rather than they have no idea that we're hooking thousands of dollars worth of equipment up. And and they have no idea that the technicians, the the amount of schooling they went, they, they don't know what's involved in fixing their car. And, and we still treat it like a commodity and we still don't collect nearly what we should with, with as compared to other industries. I mean, c- compare us to appliance repair, you know, it, it, appliance repair is typically pattern failure. Uh, if the problem's too great, you go buy a new appliance. Um, the guy that comes to fix your car or fix your appliance uh, carries all of his tools in a soft sided bag. And based off the model number and the symptom, usually has the part in the other hand it's going to take to fix it. And yet, if you factor in the service call and their charge, appliance repairs somewhere in the $130 to $140 an hour range. And you and I both know many shops haven't even got up to 100 yet. And that car is a lot more difficult to fix. The appliance repair business is not going under it's not going away it's still they're still going to be fixed 
And, and it's just, it's an easier job with less investment. And so we have to get over the mindset that we can't charge what we really need to charge to make our, our business successful. I, yeah. I mean, and, and that, that thought just come to me and, and, and it, it's, you're very true in what you're saying and in the comparison you're making with appliance repair. I mean, uh, you know, and I think a lot of this, uh, you mentioned it early on that you'd spoke with someone and, and, uh, talking about a presentation about succession of the shop and, and that, particular individual said well shop owners aren't interested in that they're interested in making their shop better but i would argue that discussion and the fact that okay to make their shop better they need to be planning for that succession they need to all these things come into it taking care of the employees having a proper shop labor rate uh you know all that comes together to making their shop better absolutely absolutely when you go to sell your shop, you know, whether it be to an internal employee, whether it be to a technician, whether it be to an investment group, whatever the situation is, there's one thing and one thing only that's going to get looked at. You know, if a bank or the SBA is loaning money or a group of investors is looking at buying it, they're looking at cash flow and profits. They don't care that you got a brand new snap on alignment machine with a Kung Fu grip. They, they don't, none of that matters. They don't, they don't care that you think this hoist that you purchased for $6,000 is worth 3000. They expect all that stuff to be in place and operational. They're going to take a look at three years, the last three years of your P and L and your balance sheet. And they're going to look at net owner benefit, EBITDA, whatever term you want to use. And they're going to calculate the value of your business off a weighted average of the last three years. That's what your shop's worth. Absolutely. Absolutely. So man, there is so much we've talked about and, and I, I hope to entertain and, and have the opportunity in in the future to talk about some key things that we've talked about in this one, uh, one key thing. And, and, and anyone that knows you knows about this, you know, the talk about a succession plan. I want to bring that out in a podcast to our listeners. I want them to hear how Ron and, and Westside Auto Pros' plan is moving forward and, and what it took to get to that plan. I mean, there's just so much there that we would be on this podcast for this episode for three hours. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, but what I like about it is, you are being able, you're able to provide the information that a lot of shop owners that are in that same situation, uh, can start implementing and looking at, and, and maybe they don't implement it exactly how, how you have, but getting, moving forward on it, not just sitting back and saying, eh, yeah, that's a great idea, but I, I'm just stuck in this shop and I'm not going to be able to do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shop owners, I think out there that, that have that mentality, that thought, and, and, and I want that to change because I mean, we've mentioned it, how, if, if this industry is going to continue on the independent repair shop is going to continue on, we have to have these plans in place. Absolutely. 
So, you know, I, I hope you entertain a, a future podcast. Uh, you know, I, I know your, your schedule is, is busy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I just, I just have so many notes here that I just can't go over. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's an information overload. When, when it, when it comes to succession, uh, I mean, it's, it's probably a series of two or three podcasts <laughs> and, and I love to talk. So I, I would entertain that all day long, but you know, it, it needs to be broken down to, you know, a podcast on how to, how I value my business, a podcast on, you know, do I do an internal or an external sale? You know, is it a stock sale? I mean, there, there's all kinds of things that, that come into play, but I, I would be more than happy to come back and talk about that stuff. Well, that's great. Cause I, I think our, our shop owners that, that listen, I, and I, and I think it's key also because we have a lot of listeners that are, uh, future technicians or, or current young technicians. I think they need to hear that too. I think they need to hear about planning for the future and and you know if they have aspirations to become shop owners they need to be thinking about that uh i i would say that you know as a young person moves into the shop owner position um they need to be thinking of that 10 15 years down the road starting to think about succession and, and i think if somebody is a young technician or is thinking about coming into this industry as a technician, the, the opportunity has never been better. Cars are not going to go away. Cars are always going to need to be repaired. And we've run out of people to do the work. And, and it's, it's no different than plumbers, electricians, you know, any of the trades, those industries are really starting to soar with interest from young people. Um, and they, they've just made it lucrative to be that because, you know, we don't have anyone to, to wire your house anymore. We don't have anyone to fix, you know, try to get something done around your house. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you end up doing it yourself because it's too hard to find someone to come do it. Why? Because we don't have enough people doing it. So the, the, the opportunity, I mean, this is a great time to get into this industry. I, I very true. I mean, I've got a good friend. We've been friends since childhood and he's a contractor, uh, building homes. And, and, you know, I, I wanted to get the front door replaced in my house. And he was like, I said, when can you get this done? He said, well, you know, it's going to be a month and a half at least. And I'm like, why? why? He said, yeah. Yeah. He said, well, I, I just don't have the, I said, I, I've got jobs and booked up. He said, I don't have the manpower to do it. Exactly. And, and that's just one piece of a skilled trade, you know, electricians, yeah. plumbers, auto technicians. I mean, all these skilled trades are, are in, in, in a desire, desire and a need to have quality employees. Absolutely. And, and it's scary because I just seen uh, the employment, unemployment numbers in, in across the United <laughs> States and they're as low as they've been. You know, I think it was 3.4%. Uh, you know, and, and yet we have a lot of positions to fill. Where's those people going to come from? Oh, totally. So, yeah, great. I mean, I just, there's so many notes and so much discussion. I, I, I think your idea of, of a couple of podcasts on, uh, shop owner succession, shop 
you know, looking at a succession plan. I think that's a great idea. I think we'll, we'll get together and hopefully be able to do that. Um, but I, before we close, I mean, I've taken a lot of your time. I know uh, you've, you've got a busy day planned. Uh, but if I was to say, uh, let's say we're at the Wrench and Ratchet conference and and you had a room full of, of subscribers to Wrench and Ratchet, which is going to be a lot of shop owners, and, and you had to give them one or two key things to be looking at, what would you leave them with? One or two, man, you make it hard for me. <laughs> well, um, there's so many that will build. I you mean, know, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, probably one of the key things is I see shop owners too involved in operating their shop rather than working. You know, they, they say you want to work on your business, not in it. I mean, that, that comes back. Um, learn, learn to read your P and L monthly, have it professionally prepared, learn to read it, learn to track it, learn what to look for, uh, learn the benchmarks and, and, and how to fix them. Uh, because, because at the end of the day, if, if your business is not as financially profitable as it should be or could be, you're not going to, you're going to have a hard time selling. If you ever want to sell it, you're not going to have money to pay technicians. I mean, a lot of your problems can be solved when everything's in line financially for your company. That's probably the one thing I would leave them with. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I wish I could get, this podcast to every shop owner out there and and i I know shop owners are busy uh but you know if they just take a moment and and look at their shop and step back and look at it i mean some of the things that you've talked about uh i i was fortunate enough i owned a shop and and the dealership uh, a dealership moved down the street from me and they they decided to purchase and we come to come to an agreement but uh you know being a shop owner, that succession plan there was handed to me and I'm blessed by it. I'm thank, thankful exactly. for it. Exactly. Yeah. But that it, succession plan isn't the normal succession plan. It, it doesn't exist for everybody else. <laughs> Very true. Nope. Yep. Very and, true. and you were, you know, um, I, I mean, yeah, that, that was, seize the opportunity, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and looking back on that, I was, the chief dietitian and I was the guy doing the diagnostic work. So how would I have ever, ever successfully sold that if it wouldn't have been for that blessing? So, uh, I would have had to make a transition. I'd have had to ask her on and, and see what my succession ideas should be. <laughs> well, like I said, Ron, I've taken up a lot of your time and, and I have, I have dearly enjoyed this rich conversation and, and, and I look forward to more conversations, uh, along this path. Uh, you know, how do we as an industry move forward? And, and I think succession of, of a shop, uh, having a success succession plan is a key component to that. And, and also, you know, getting the customer to understand what they need to pay and why they're paying it. 
uh, I think those are key components in in the future of this industry. I I agree a hundred percent. So, Ron, I you know, like I said, I've enjoyed it. I, I thank you for your time. I don't I don't uh, say that lightly. I know time is very valuable, and and I thank you for your time. I thank you for being a part of the podcast. I look forward to future discussions on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited about what what our listeners can hear from it. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, I encourage any listener that's in the Des Moines, Iowa area to stop by at 1901 Northwest 92nd Court Street and, and say hi to Westside Auto Pros. You guys, I think, are doing an awesome job. Um, an amazing looking facility and if i ever get up in that area hopefully it's not in the winter time when i get up there but uh if i get up there i'm definitely going to stop by awesome we'd love to have you all right ron until we talk again i i appreciate it and i and i don't take it lightly i appreciate your time we'll talk again soon all right thanks ron okay bye Thanks for listening to this episode of Technician Academy's podcast, brought to you by Extend Performance. Be sure to rate us on iTunes or Google Play and visit us online at technician.academy. We are also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Please help us spread our Respect is Learn message by liking and sharing our content on your social media platforms. Technician.academy, where respect is learned.